there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I love how Galatians 6.10 tells us, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We are called as believers to do what is right. We have a responsibility to protect our families and be a part of our families, but at the same time, we understand that we have a God that we serve. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, it is he who we, it is him who we try to serve, and it is his voice that we need to be. Anybody with me? You know, it's, the truth is that there are a lot of voices in this world. And when I'm just talking about candidates, because this is not a political sermon, nor will I endorse a candidate from this pulpit, I believe one thing is true, that we're heading toward a tale of two Americas. And you have to choose what that looks like. And I believe that the voice that God is calling us to is to have a voice that is his, not our own. A voice that is his, not ours. Because the truth is, as believers, we are the voice of God to the rest of the world. And we find that voice in his word. We know one thing is for sure. That if we look into the world, we realize that the world often doesn't have a voice. They're just echoing what they hear. You ever talk to someone that regurgitates something that they heard, and you ask them where they heard it, they say, well, I just heard it. Because they're an echo of what they heard. Friends, all of us do it, whether you admit it or not. We all echo what we hear. So then the question has to be posed to every believer in the house and every person listening right now is, what are you listening to then? If we all echo what we hear, what are we listening to? What is the voice in the valley? Can I tell you something? Friends, you are the voice in the valley. But it's not your voice. It's his voice. So there are two voices, the God Almighty and the voice of the enemy, Satan. He's very real. He's very prevalent. And he's very active right now. There's a dominant role that that voice wants to play in your life. And I want to ask you this question here today. There's a war out for your heart and your head. Who's winning? There's a war for your heart and for your head, who is winning? See, the enemy would love for you to pay careful attention to the words that are counterfeit and just walk with that. But the truth is that there is a call that he has on every single one of us to identify what is false from what is real. Is that true? We have to identify what is false from what is real. The enemy is incapable, and again I say, the enemy is incapable of telling truth. He's not capable. He's not capable of delivering on any promise he's ever given to you. Some of you say, well, what do you mean? The enemy has never given me promises. Oh, yeah, he has. 
Oh, yeah, he has your whole life. You just haven't, you haven't put it together yet, maybe. I mean, he tried to promise Jesus while he was in the wilderness, wasn't he? Think about it. Throw yourself off this mountain. He'll give his angels charge over you. He tried to make Jesus commit suicide. To turn these stones into bread. He's, he's constantly telling him to do something. He's constantly a voice. Can I tell you something? He can never deliver. Not a single time. Even in the previous chapter, as we're looking at this morning, I want to talk to you about the voice in the valley. I want to, I want to kind of bring light to uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Uh, turn or tap your way to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Can you get me that water that's there? I'm parched a little bit here. Even in the previous chapter, as we look, we're look, going to be looking at chapter 37. Thank you so much. We're going to be looking at chapter 37, but I want to look for a moment because text always needs context, right? Anybody? You can't just read a verse and be like, this is what it meant. No, well, you got to look at the context. And so before we look at 37, we have to look at 36 for a moment. And in the previous chapter, God says to Ezekiel this, the enemy said of you. The enemy said of you. So I ask you this morning, what did the enemy say of you before God said of you? Before you found out what God said about you and what he thinks of you, every eyeball, look at me, look at me. The enemy has said about you. At some point in your life, the enemy has lied to you about God, about your neighbor, about your spouse, and even about you. He lied to you about you. I bet I'll get one amen. I'm going to keep working. Okay. He always has something to say about the prophets. He said it to Ezekiel. God told him and reminded him, the enemy has said of you. Some of you walked in this morning and you believe that before you believe 37. The enemy has said of you. The enemy has said of you. Raise your hand if you ever fell for someone's lie. Raise your hand if you ever fell for someone's lie. Everyone. And if you haven't raised your hand, you either can't remember very well or you blocked it out in some way, right? But we've all been lied to and we've all believed the lie. The enemy always has something to say about you, especially if you're called by God, which we all are. But some of us tend to want to believe the first voice instead of the right voice. Because it was what I first heard, so it must be right. Can I tell you something? If you were brought up with a teaching and a, and a thought and doctrine, what is doctrine? Doctrine means what you believe to be true with regard to scripture, right? If you were brought up with a certain doctrine and someone brings something that, that opposes it, some of you won't even, won't even give it a second thought because it's what you were taught your whole life as if what's first is always fact. So the question is, do you want what's fact 
or do you want what's first? Because some of us have been taught some things that weren't true. I remember my grandmother, God love her, man. She raised us when my mom was working so hard. And she would tell me things and she would say, it's in the Bible. And I'd be like, where, grandma? She'd be like, be quiet, it's in the Bible. (laughs) I loved her to death, man, and I believed her in every turn. But when you say stuff like cleanliness is next to godliness, it's in the Bible. Like, what book is that in? The book of go to your room. Don't question me. <laughs> it's almost this aha moment, though, when, when, when God brings this out to Ezekiel. He says, the enemy has said of you. It's even almost like an aha. The enemy said of you something. He went on to say more, and he said that he just started to describe Israel's unfaithfulness and rebelliousness. But God. Come on, somebody. But God, right? God is not a reactionary God. In other words, God does not allow us to respond in such a way uh, that will just we got to live our lives on our heels. And, and I, re, I heard recently a preacher talk about how, you know, we live our lives thinking that we got we to gotta, uh, kind of fortify ourselves behind God's walls because he wants to protect us from everything that the enemy has. And how many kind of grew up with that idea, right? God will protect us. So we kind of stay behind these walls, maybe, you know, kind of like a, one of those uh, epic movies where you have these giant walls, like we'll be okay if we're behind these walls, we'll be all right. But when, when Jesus starts talking about living this faith walk, you know what he says? The gates of hell will not prevail. That doesn't mean that we're on defense, my friend. It means that we're on offense. It means that we're the ones storming the gates of hell. It means that we're the ones saying we're taking back what is ours. And I believe God is calling us uh, us as a church, this church and all the churches in the valley to be a voice in the valley. Come on, somebody. To be a voice in the valley. God is calling you to live holy in the valley. He's calling you to live righteous in the valley. He's calling you to speak up in the valley. He's calling you to do something that changes someone around you in the valley. He's not asking you to be reactionary your whole life. He's not asking you to live your life on your heels. The Holy Spirit operates often in much louder promptings that are not always audible, but my friends, they're always sustainable. We don't always hear God hear God. Sometimes we sense God. We read something in the pages of his word and we go, wow. And that's kind of what stood out to me here in Ezekiel 37. I want to talk about here uh, Ezekiel 37 for a few moments. Verses 1 to 14 is our text. But while the Spirit of the Lord is not always audible, I want us to understand something that it's always available. Here. The Word of God is always in perfect harmony with what the Scriptures 
uh, I should say what the Spirit of God says to us is always in harmony with the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are always in harmony with what God says to us because he doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. He speaks his word, always his word. Is that true? So let's look at Ezekiel 37 for a moment. If you can, turn there to Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. I want to read this because his word is so much more important than me speaking. So let me say it like this. For those of you that are logging online, log into Ezekiel um, 37, verse 1 to 4. Turn there, and then I'm going to read, start reading right now. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Let me stop there for a moment. Did you notice that when God brought him out to see the bones, he brought him so he can start seeing a lot of the bones? He didn't just show him a valley of bones. Sometimes we kind of see it that way. Like God just showed him a valley of dry bones and then he starts speaking to him. No, no, no. He showed him the bones, but then he walked him through it. Did you see that? I, I don't know if some of you caught that, but he walked him through it. He let him see it for a few minutes because that's what God sees all the time. As he walked him through it and he let him see it, he let him capture the heart of God at that moment. It's not until you look around. How many of you have been looking on your TV screens the last six months and going, wow, there's such emptiness? People looking for answers. People looking for a reason. People looking for hope. People looking for something. And it's like God said to me, as, as, he, as he just kind of brought this passage to me, he's like, I feel like God the last six months has been walking us through the valley of dry bones, asking us this question that he's about to ask Ezekiel in just a second. He walked them through first, though. Sometimes you have to walk through certain valleys, you have to walk through certain things, feel certain feelings, and know certain terms uh, that, that are, are, are dear to you. And all of a sudden, at that moment, he asked him one question, and the question was simply this, son of man, can these bones I said, Ezekiel replied, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, God, I'm not going to answer that because it's up to you. And I appreciate that Ezekiel was bold like that to say, God, it's all up to you. It's you. I'm just a servant. Right? How many times did God ask a question in Scripture that he already knew the answer to? Come on, somebody. Did he ever ask you a question that you knew the answer to, but you were afraid to answer? In fact, I'm going to be working on a series of the questions God asked. Because as I, as I dove into some of this and studying, looking at scripture, do you realize how many questions God asks? And he always has a strategic reason why he's asking them. It's not like God is like, hey, what time is it, by the way? I didn't charge my watch. Or, or Adam, where are you? Because he lost track of Adam. His GPS fell off. I don't know what happened. 
But he asked Adam, do you remember that? In Genesis, he asked Adam, where are you, Adam? As if God misplaced him. (laughs) Do you remember in Exodus when he asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? Like God was like, that looks pretty familiar. No, he was asking him, what is in your hand? Did you know, do you remember later in, in Exodus where he then later asked Moses, why are you crying out to me? I've said that a lot to my children. Why are you crying? There was a different reason God asked that, though. He told Joshua, what are you doing down on your face? And then he asked Elijah, he said, what "What are you doing here? God never asks a question he doesn't know the answer to. Oftentimes, that question is just to help us answer where we are, what we're seeing, what we're thinking. And in the same way, he comes to Ezekiel and he asks him, what question did he ask him? Can these bones live? Do you see what I'm seeing here? Because I realize that when we say this, he's asking him, do you see what I see? After I showed you what I showed you. And Ezekiel replied, you alone know. Then God said to him, and this is Ezekiel saying this. Ezekiel said that God spoke to him. And here's this word. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Listen, church, I'm telling you right now, there's some people in your life walking that you know right now. Everyone, look at me. There's people right now in your life you need to prophesy to. Well, Pastor Tony, I don't have that gift. You can open your mouth and speak life to someone. You don't have to be a prophet to say, thus say the Lord. Now, what I'm saying is, you don't say, just say the Lord, because you're thinking it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, uh, prophet lie. What I'm saying is, speak life. Speak life. If it's not, does say the Lord, don't say, does say the Lord. Don't you even. And don't you even say that I said that. That's prophet lie. But the truth is, we need to speak life, yes? How many know that the world needs truth right now? The world needs truth right now. And we are his voice. So watch this. This is what he says. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, this is verse 4, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath, I will put breath in you and it will come and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God is saying, I'm going to be the one to do this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Now hear this. It was God's word told to Ezekiel and Ezekiel prophesied it. Why? Because it wasn't Ezekiel's word. It was God's word given through his servant. You get that? God's will, God's word through his servant. And it was at that moment that Ezekiel prophesied. And when he did so, he prophesied because we are his voice. We are his voice. And as I was prophesying, Ezekiel says, 
there was a noise, a rattling sound. Matter of fact, I want to, I when we close out our service, I want to play the rattle song. I love that song. There was a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. How many know when bone hits bone, it hurts? How many ever collided with someone? How many ever collided knees with someone? Or something where your bone hit someone's bone? I was a bony kid when I was little. I could have been bony cruise. You wouldn't even know. I mean, you would I mean it was I was real skinny when I was little, right? And I'm telling you right now, I always hit bone to bone with someone when I was wrestling with them. Because I was just bony as a little kid. And that hurts. Bone on bone hurts. But guess what? When the bone, when God started to attach these bones and bones, guess what? It doesn't always feel good when he's restoring you. When he's bringing you back together, it don't feel good all the time. It doesn't always flow like you think it's going to flow. It's going to hurt sometimes. But he was bringing that bone upon bone. And verse 8, I looked and the tendons in the flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. There was no life in them to say. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Let me tell you something. When God redeems people, they become his people. They become a vast army. And I believe that believers are an incredible, incredible majority of this world. Now, we don't always feel that way, but God plus one is always the majority. They may, not, they may be more non-believers. That's not what statistics say. Statistics say that 82% of people confess themselves to be Christians. Why isn't that number reflected on how many people go to churches? I'll lead you to answer that. You don't need to go to church to be a believer. Don't even try. Don't. There's something that happens in this room that you can't replicate online. You can't replicate at home. Something happens in a room full of believers. That faith arises and the enemy is scattered. So when God sees these bones and he says, can they live? And then he starts to prophesy. That is he, that is Ezekiel starts to prophesy the word of God, the word into that valley, the the dry bones, the bones start coming together. The tendons start wrapping around that bone and stuff starts happening. Guess what? He raised up an army that day of people, but there was something missing. What was missing? That breath, that life. And that's where God steps in and says, breathe from the four, breath from the four winds, come, breathe into the slain that they may live. So he prophesied as he commanded, so I prophesied as he commanded me and, and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on the feet of vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Friend, let me tell you something. God is calling his people. God is calling his people to come again and be a voice, to be a vast army in a world today that is looking for hope. 
And in this prophecy, I understand context. He's actually talking about physical Israel as well. He's talking about how God is going to restore Israel to himself because there's still many uh, Israelites and uh, people of Israel, Jewish people that don't believe that the Messiah has come. But he's going to restore his people. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from among them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Interesting what has happened over the last year. Did you catch that? It's happening right now. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord When I open your graves and bring you up from among them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. I have done it. Friend, I am sick and tired of the world looking at man as we are the only answer. We, no we, he. He is the answer. I look for the day that there are more Bibles sold than self-help books. Because we want to be our own answer to our own problem when in fact we're the, own, we're the problem to our problem. So what am I talking about? I suppose that Ezekiel 37, this vision of the valley of dry bones, is the most, uh, one of the most familiar passages to the entire book of Israel. But I need you to know something. God has called us to be that voice. What is the thing that God is calling you to? We have a duty to stand, friend. We have a duty to be strong, Ephesians 6.10. We have a duty to fight, 2 Timothy 4.7. Fight the good fight. We have a responsibility to be separate, 2 Corinthians 6.17. We have a responsibility to be courageous, Joshua 1.9. That's our responsibility. If this is too much for you, I need you to understand something. This is reality. This is what the world is headed toward. It's either God or the world, plain and simple. And God is looking for us to be the voice in the valley. We all have a duty and a responsibility to stand up for righteousness in a world that doesn't want to stand for anything. You stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Your words matter. When I was a kid, I was taught this very vicious song. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I later found out, minutes later, that that hurt because I started to believe it. And when someone said something mean or hurtful, it lasted a long time. Some of you are still hurt from years and years and years ago, and you can't even, you have locked yourself out from hearing God from God because someone hurt you years ago. Can I tell you something? You're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to a lie, not the Lord. There's a lie that will tell you this is what the enemy has accused you of. In fact, he's called in Revelation the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. His main objective is to tell you you can't. That's his job. He's given himself this assignment. You ever met somebody in your workplace that gave themselves their own assignment? And you're like, 
you totally have a different assignment. What are you doing right now? You're laughing because you know it's true. Like they have a job, you have a job, and you find them doing this other thing way more than they're doing the thing they're supposed to do. And you're like, what are you doing right now? And some of you are bosses to these people. God help you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever met somebody that just made up their own assignment? You're like, what, are you, what have you been doing for four hours? They're just wandering aimlessly. God has called us to be a voice. And what we end up doing a lot of times is we wander in our own objectives. And then we wonder why weren't we effective? God is saying, come. Come to me. And I'll be your voice in the valley. What are you listening to? Because that is what drives you. I've I've said this multiple times. Forgive me, I said it multiple times, but maybe you haven't uh, heard this before. What drives you will later describe you. What drives you will later describe you. In fact, the things that you're passionate about right now will be the things that they remember one day when they're standing by your grave. That person was this. That person was that. You know, the only thing that truly matters is that God will say, you've been faithful. Even if people in this world don't like me for what I said or do or did or am doing or you for what you do, did, or are doing, If you stand before him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you've done everything right. That needed to have eternal value. That doesn't dismiss us from the responsibilities that we have here. So let me kind of go into that for a moment because sin is sin no matter what the sin is, right? So we got to realize that there's some things that try to come against us to do God's will. Yes? So let me talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about how the Bible is our opportunity to stand up and stand tall. So let me say this. You ever been around someone who took the air out of your sails? You ever, you ever had somebody uh, that they're filled with pessimism? Like you could say something really positive, like, man, it's a nice day. Yeah, but it's going to rain the rest of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go now. You ever been around someone like that? No pointing. You are on someone that says, you know, I want to be a person of hope, man. I want when people around me to go, man, I feel better having been around him. I want to feel better having been around her. What is it that is giving hope to this valley? What is it that God is giving hope to your valley? Listen, that valley doesn't just have to be here. Maybe wherever it is that you find yourself today is a valley. But there were dry bones in that valley. And God asked him a question, can these bones live? So I ask you, the people that you're encountering, can they live? Can they live? Let me say this with you. The voice you respond, the voice you respond to will determine the direction you walk toward. The voice you respond to will determine the direction you will walk toward. Every time you hear a voice, 
Wherever you, wherever you hear that voice, that's normally the one that you pay attention. That's where you walk toward. So let me share this thought with you real quickly. Two thoughts. First, the voice of God desires to bring us out. In other words, God sometimes has to take us out from where we are so we can hear him clearer, clearer and clearly. How many agree with that? Sometimes he brings us out. And that's exactly what the hand of the Lord did in verse 1. He said, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out. Brought me out. Why? Because where I am right now sometimes isn't the best scenario for me to hear from God. How many have ever been in a bad, dark place sometimes? And you're like, man, I have a real hard time hearing God right now. You ever been there? Come on. Two hands. One hand. <laughs> Some of you are like, I give you four, but I would fall, right? I give you every, listen, Pastor Tony, that the Lord has spoken to me at times, and I'm like, what? That's me. That's me. The voice we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves, the voice that we walk toward is the one that we, we end up walking uh, and responding to, and so God needed to bring Ezekiel out. And he brought him out and he led him back and forth and back and forth through the valley, showing him. I wonder if, if every time he turned around and he saw more dry bones, that was a person. That was a soul. That was another life. That was a mother. That was a, a father. That was a, a wayward son. That was a, a drug-addicted child. Of a parent. That was an alcoholic friend. That was an uncle of mine. I wonder if he felt that, and as God brought him to and from through those val through that valley, that he started to see those bones. And then at that moment, that's when God said, Do you think these bones can live? And I don't know. What was going through Ezekiel's mind, but he said, Only you know, God. I don't know where you're going to, where you're going, where you're coming from, God, but I, only you know because you're sovereign. Can we submit to God's sovereignty today and trust Him? And say, Only you know, God. But here, when God gave him an assignment, it was no longer only you know, God. It was, Okay, God, I will prophesy like you told me to. So let me ask you this question. If God told you to prophesy and speak over somebody in your life right now that does not know Jesus, would you be willing to prophesy over them? The next time you pray for them, are you going to prophesy over them in your prayer? Lord God, bring them and breathe life back into them. Bring life to them. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you know somebody that does not know Jesus? Come on, how many know somebody? If you don't know somebody that doesn't know you either haven't talked to anybody or you were incredibly saved. Right? We all know somebody. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? So let me, let me kind of bring this to a, a place where we can understand. Did God ever bring you amidst dry bones and get to your attention that they need life, maybe that's the person, maybe that's the thing he's called you to. That's why we're gathering in prayer 
on Wednesday night. That's why we're getting together and praying because something happens when when believers pray. Amen? Seven o'clock, in case you've forgotten, in case you weren't able to make the other ones. Seven o'clock this Wednesday, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for the valley. We're going to pray that God will rise up people and raise up people to be speakers of truth in this dark world. When we listen to the devil and his lies, we stay in the boneyard. God doesn't want to leave you in the boneyard. He wants to start there to rescue, but he wants to lead the army out. He wants to lead the army out. So the second thought is this. The voice of God wants us to prophesy. First one is he wants to bring us out. Then he wants us to prophesy. And it's uncomfortable sometimes to speak life to someone. You know what? Sometimes it costs you zero dollars to encourage somebody. It costs you zero dollars to encourage somebody. Why aren't we doing it more? Why, why, why are some, some of the people that I've known bulk of my life some of the most sarcastic on social media? You know, when there's this quote that used to go around, preach the gospel and when necessary use words, right? It's more like, nowadays it's more like, preach the gospel when it's necessary use memes, We're sarcastic in a lot of ways, aren't we? And there's times I have my moments too, but God is calling us to prophesy. If we don't pray and prophesy, who will? If we don't pray and prophesy, who will? So let me say this on this last verse here. This last verse, here it is. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Listen, you will eventually become what you behold. Did you hear that? I need you to look at me. You will become what you behold. What you deem important, when, the, when, when you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. The spirit of God will change, look at me, change this planet. We are called to do good, but we're called to be good. We are called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so when God's spirit is active in our lives, without it, existence is just flesh and blood. But with God's spirit, life, life becomes full. Friend, there's no place on earth and no sin or situation that God cannot reach out. Are you hearing me? There's no situation that God cannot reach out to you. And he's speaking life to every single person that's willing to hear life. And he wants to use you to prophesy life. So our prayer should always be this. And I'll kind of put this in a capsule. You ready? Our prayer should always be this. God, be and let us be a voice in this valley. God, be and let us be a voice in the valley.